A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hanflot and Michael Sidgwick, here to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite Fight for the Fallen. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also Raw, SmackDown, NXT pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week, complete with a bloody quiz, of course, on wrestling culture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to preview AEW Dynamite tonight. And what a wild stacked card we have got tonight, Sidge. Yeah, this is my most anticipated pro wrestling card of the year, I think. Mm-hmm. Even as a completely cynical WWE critic, paid critic, <laughs> I was buzzing for WrestleMania Night 1. I just was. I saw the goddamn ship, pirate ship, cannon pyro, and thought, I'm having some of that, are <laughs> I'll, I'll become a 12-year-old who can watch this, and I'll do it again for one night. Double or nothing, obviously massive hype. Like a few dynamites on that level, but this is the most anticipated show personally of the year for me. It's all on the strength primarily of that goddamn 10 man. And it says something about the company that and the state it's in that I'm looking forward to this 10 man as much as I am the debuts of CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. But being this is pure mark behavior, I don't care. Being heavily emotionally invested in something has its good and its bad the extremes of something being great and knowing that more greatness is yet to come. Fantastic. This is why you watch pro wrestling. But this card is simply too stacked. It is simply too stacked. And as much as I love Tony Khan as a booker, and I read a tweet the other day, and I wish I'd tweeted it. It was so good. Tony Khan is the best thing that happened to professional wrestling since the invention of anabolic steroids. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. That's correct. But if I was to criticize the great man for two things, those two things would be one, he's a bit too nice for his own good. And there's a match on here, I suspect, has been slotted on this card to be nice. And that is nice. I'd rather that than WWE, but I'm feeling it might be to the detriment of the show. And two, he's an incredibly energetic guy. Look at how many businesses he runs look at how much work he does look at some of the worst dynamites of the year in terms of how they're rushed and little is allowed to like register and i feel like those two flaws might come together to the detriment of this card there is a corner of twitter 
mostly full of uh, Fulham badge avatars that would suggest it runs too many businesses, perhaps. <laughs> and that certainly is reflected in this lineup. I share Cedric's enthusiasm for this and anticipation for this card. Completely much the same. Um, feels enormous and not the first time, but that also does come... I don't want to say it's a cautionary tale because there's been countless amazing dynamites. Um, but this match in particular, this... Um, Hammer Page in the Dark Order versus the Elite match is another case where um, I just hope that the... Like, I don't think that match will fail, and we're going to talk about that in more detail. I think that match is going to be incredible. But I hope that the other stuff that they've wrapped around it doesn't result in it being reduced in stature or doesn't result in some of the other awesome things on this card taking a knock as a result of that match not failing. And I use some precedent for that now. Um, Blood and Guts I had similar anticipation for, and there were ultimately significant problems coming out the back of that. Um, the exploding barbed death deathmatch botch, and in my opinion, elements of the match actually, but certainly the botch. Um, this needs to be one where they absolutely nail the eight man tag is the ten man tag is something they need to absolutely nail. And I hope that the other things on this show aren't the things that get in its way. Nothing, nothing of those in terms of those production botches, or just in terms of like some of the choices that were made for those matches, they're not going to affect that match. But elsewhere on this card the stacked show, the timing out of other matches, they could have an impact. And that's ultimately out of that match's hand. And I hope that doesn't happen. These big shows have sometimes come with a little bit of disappointment the next day. And it'd be lovely to have celebrations without qualifiers and caveats tomorrow morning. Mm. Uh, I watched the the road two before we uh, jumped on here. And uh, the fact that it, it doesn't even have time to mention the uh, Dark Order versus the uh, Dark Order Hangman Page versus the Elite tells you all you need to know about the fact that we've got an insane amount of matches on this show. We've got championship celebrations, announcements by Tony Khan. We've got titles on the line, Santana and Ortiz versus FTR. And it feels weird not to start with the match where someone might be murdered, but we've been attempting to preview this for a long time, Sige. So let's start with that five-on-five match. It is Hangman Page in the Dark Order, that being Hangman Page, Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, John Silver and Alex Reynolds versus the Elite, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, Gallows and Anderson. We were going to attempt to try and book this in its entirety. We we haven't had a chance to do it because it's been a, a few weeks for AEW fans with the CM Punk and Daniel Bryan rumours. But nevertheless, Sige, give us the uh, the cliff notes of what you hope goes down with this match. I hope it gets 20 to 25 minutes. And I don't necessarily think a long match is automatically great. Christ knows that take and that sort of prevailing opinion has been pounded its dick has been pounded into the dirt by New Japan Pro Wrestling over the last two years and certain matches on Raw, certain matches, let's face it, in AEW's history. But 20 to 25 minutes, which I don't actually think at this point it can like logistically get on the show, which is a concern of mine heading into it. But there's just so much to explore, so much brilliance to explore, so many awesome combinations of pro wrestlers with honed, magical chemistry that's not even like the lead of the match it's to build to the grand showdown of the match evil you know and Stu grayson are perfect opponents for the young bucks they've done outrageously awesome stuff in pwg they did a match that's available to watch on youtube if you want a little prime of what they can do ahead of tonight and for smash wrestling in canada it's incredible it's quintessential proper heel young bucks and there's this old sort of 
pro wrestling psychology that they say, I know mean, you got to know when to bring the crowd up and bring the crowd down and you got to patronize them a little bit just to make sure they get every story. But you don't want to like exhaust their tired little brains. The difference of the Young Bucks and the Super Smash Brothers, who are now, of course, the primary tag, tag team in the Dark Order, is that they just went up, 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 up. And just when you thought it couldn't go more up, it went more up than the up you might have thought it could get. Amazing stuff. They're going to do stuff like that in this match, and it's nowhere near the actual attraction. The way to do it is to build towards Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. And the way to build that heat, not that they're going to need it, this should be on fire from the get-go. Have uh, It's just so much to explore. The revolution callbacks. Hangman Page clinging to a young buck's leg to deprive him from doing like the Melter Driver or the Indy Taker. Like Matt Jackson with Evil Uno on the ground, missing punches by about a foot and a half to call back to December 18, but this time it's different. The Dark Order are completely different, and Evil Uno can fire back up and start twatting them back in response. I want to see just when you think, right, okay, it's Kenny and Hangman. Kenny goes for the V-trigger. Hangman goes for the buckshot, and they collide into each other, and that's when you get the This Is Awesome chant and parity's been established. There are one million things you can explore in this pro wrestling match, John Silver eliminating Doc Gallows with a power bomb, like for a big pop. Like there are so many things in this match that they can do that legitimately. When I thought five matches were announced last week, one of which obviously wasn't going to go the distance in Archer versus Hikuleo, I just thought that's too much. That's too many matches, and they've added a sixth. And there's like two in-ring angles as well in addition to all the pre-tapes that you're going to get that add up, they're going to have to do something to sell Cody versus Malachi Black next week. That makes sense. You're building towards a big match on another big show. All of these little pre-tapes that they do, sometimes they feel so unnecessary. That's like you've been reminded that people are feuding for next to no reason. Some things can wait a week, but they never do on this Nero's show. Nero's got a title match next week. Yeah, I mean, all of these pre-tapes, six matches two of which are going to go pretty damn long with FTR versus Santana and Ortiz as well. Two angles, like the ideal scenario. They've done this twice, and I feel like they should do it tonight. In case anything goes wrong or over, don't make it to the detriment of this match. I want to see all 10 men in the ring to start the show. I want it to go through one ad break a la Pac and Phoenix versus the Bucks and Pac versus Omega. I want it to go 20 to 25 minutes. And as much as it'll kind of suck if, in fact, that happens to not see him do this in his entrance, but God damn it, as teased on being the elite, I want Hangman Page to wear purple. The ultimate babyface move for the ultimate babyface. Hangman Page wears purple trunks. I'm going to be wearing white ones when I'm watching. Like, <laughs> and there's and there's going to be now vir- there's going to be now virtuous about that scene. <laughs> like. God damn it, man. Unbelievable. I didn't watch Road 2, but I did watch Being the Elite. That's how powerful this match is. Because one little tease of gear stuff on Twitter sent me racing to hear about this Hangman Page tidbit. Um, yeah, of course, I just share all that enthusiasm massively. So it just it inspires you to think of great spots. Funnily enough, you mentioned the two of them coming together. I know you've sort of like had that one in your mind for years. I've always imagined they would save that for the singles match. I would like to see it teased here. And then a young book and a Dark Order member dart in the way of the bullets for their respective friends slash leaders and get sandwiched in the middle of the V-trigger and the uh, the bookshot lariat, something like that. And maybe 
you know, you get two pinfalls out of it because they're both knocked senseless by these two finishers that they've ran in the way of speeding cars, basically. I want Hangman Page to be finally ready to uh, bookshot Lariat Kenny and then have a young buck pull his leg from the outside and try and stop it happen, only for him to kick it away and then go for it and it be down to, say, two-on-one and Evil Uno be the other guy to be the one to get the fall on Kenny and Evil Uno and Hangman Page be the survivors and Evil Uno to get that title shot down the road or get that, you know, redemption against Kenny because Hangman Page isn't just about winning for him or for his team. He doesn't even need to be about winning. It's about everything. It's about the friendship. It's about the support that he's been given and that gratification of at least contacting Kenny once and showing Kenny that that finisher can put him down for three, even if it's not him getting the cover. It's joyous to even think about. And what's great about this, this is always the case with AEW. They'll give you a situation that allows you to fantasy book 25 things. And then it's the 26th one that you didn't think about. That's the Mm. best of the bunch. And that's what's, I will give them credit for that. In all their big matches, it's always the case that they come up with that one thing that absolutely nobody anywhere on podcasts, on Twitter, on Reddit, anywhere has come up with. And it's that spot. It's going to be that spot that we're doing cartwheels over tomorrow tomorrow morning. And I can't wait for whatever that is. Um, I did suggest in our like pre-podcast chat, I would love them to nick from NXT. I think nicked from a Ric Flair, Barry Windham match. If this goes on first, the idea that this goes so long and ranging that they have to postpone half the card. It plays to the real sports field. NXT did it with Joe and Sami Zayn. It's out three falls that went 55 minutes. And it was like, oh, we haven't got time for any more wrestling. See you next week, fans. And, <laughs> but it was really cool. WCW done it as well, Ric Flair and Barry Windham, I think. And uh, yeah, I'd love, like, so much of this card looks expendable this week. The Jurassic Express, Hardy Family match. Um, you could postpone Ricky Stark's championship celebration. For just a couple of things, there's loads we're going to preview, and this idea that there's no time for it, they can film it in front of that crowd so the live crowd get what it wants. It's like we're going to have to show you on next week's dynamite, or we're going to a creative thing that is, of course, by design because they always knew this match was going to go long. It's probably not going to go that way, if I'm honest. The more thought I've given it because of ticket buying punters ultimately wanting to get what they've paid to see on a live dynamite, but I wouldn't be against it because it would only make the match feel more prestigious. It's it's a WrestleMania main event, um, on a two-hour free-to-air television show. <laughs> These are the best of times. And it's all, as we said when this was set up, it only exists to sell a pay-per-view main event. That's what's so incredible about this, is that it isn't even trying to pretend that it's the end of the story. What pissed so many people off about Blood and Guts is that you were sold a conclusion. And then it was like, not only did it not feel like a conclusion on the night, it wasn't one next week. This isn't even being sold as that. This is to tee something else up. That's what's so inspired about this. One more thing before we move on, and I will be quick because I know we've got a lot of ground to cover. I want given that they've had more possibly of a personal rivalry than Omega and Page, I want an eliminated Matt Jackson to threaten to screw Hangman Page fail because they've done so much work in establishing this little sub-rivalry. It's almost at the heart of the elite um, discord is Matt Jackson versus Hangman Page. What a freebie to do on telly at some point before All Out. And what a match. And they've got so much storyline behind it. You could do a Road 2 dedicated entirely to that. That's what I want to see, as well as the other million things that I'm worried I won't. Yeah, it is very much. And I know Hamlet isn't going to be going to bed, but it is like a child <laughs> before Christmas. I'm going to be struggling to get to sleep and probably I'm succumbing to doing exactly what Hamlet's going to be doing. And I'm, I've no doubt Michael Sidgwick may be tempted to do as well in terms of staying up late at night to watch this. I will get out of sleep, some of Mark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about the uh, 
mutilated elephant in the room, Michael Hamflet. Can Chris Jericho survive Nick Gage? It's Labour number two, no DQ, the pain maker version of Chris Jericho against MDK, Nick Gage. I mean, he's going to have to, but massive, massive credit to AEW for answering the first issue that we raised last week about the Labour's at the first attempt. Um, well, yeah, I mean, of course it's going to beat Sean Stasiak. If anything, that's kind of already ruined the first Labour, but then they've got to have these graduate in danger. Oh, no, they've like thrown the baby out with the bathwater and brought in Nick Gage to kill him. Instead, there is going to be no more Labour's. He's going to kill him. Hanford, do you know what you said there? Was it a joke or not? What's that? No, there was. <laughs> he didn't realise. Is he acting instead yeah. of Sean <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah. That gets to the uh, meat of the problem with Sean Spears. Um, you know, it's. Oh, he was it, good like, last week. Don't be in there. No, no, he was good last week. He was good, but however, let's not patronise him. Um, this is going to be great. Um, it's awesome that uh, we said this last year with Eddie Kingston and in what may prove to be a more relevant example. I don't want to like piss on anyone's chips, Warhorse. Um, that AEW is a land of opportunity. So this could go either way for Nick Cage. I think tonight it could be a Kingston or a Warhorse night for him. It could be the start of something incredibly special. While Nick Cage finds himself hot in his own promotion, thanks to the feud with Matt Cardona, this could be a perfect storm and he could find himself getting a, a much longer term deal. Um, the feud with MJF off the back of this feels a tapping if they want to do it, MJF having to run scared from Nick Gage and use the <laughs> pinnacle to protect him from this mercenary that he's bought in. Seems to write itself, so that'd be great. Similarly, um, Nick Gage is not going to be for everybody and you have to trust Chris Jericho as a mega experienced polymath to know that and to exploit what Nick Gage brings. Um, this, I don't think AEW are afraid of death matches, so they're not afraid of giving Nick Gage the toys and the bells and whistles he needs to make this great. Um, but there's been plenty of it with your regulars. There's been plenty of it with John Moxley, with um, other members of the Pinnacle, you know, with something a match like Blood and Guts. So they're going to have to go that little bit further. We might get pizza cutter stuff. Um, there might be a encouragement to throw a few things in the ring because AEW is switched onto the discourse. I don't know. Um, I, I It's going to be wild, and I like that. I was excited for Warhorse to get his opportunity, even if on the night it didn't work. This is all a very earned and earnest thing. I expect Chris Jericho to win, but I'm very keen to see how Nick Gage gets on with such a amazing platform. Will Bonnie watch the road too, yes? Mm-hmm. Were you like me and thinking, Christ, we're going to see some glass? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't think anyone could say, I'm sorry, Nick, we're not going to. I mean, look at the bit where they tried to slightly interview him. Uh, one final question, Nick, uh, Mr. Gage. Uh, Shut up! Get camera here. I'll tell you what I'm bloody going to do to Chris Jericho. That's what he did. That's what he sounded like, basically, if he was a Yorkshireman. Um, Rumours or speculation, I should say, Sage, uh, got one of the questions on the news this morning about Matt Cardona potentially getting involved in this match. Do you do you see that? And, uh, yeah, just how bloody a war is this going to be? I can't see Cardona getting involved. I think it's one wrinkle too many on a show that's looking like um, just totally and utterly stacked. Um there's going to be glass in this match, I think. It's the way in which they're going to build to the spot that is going to separate it from a legit GCW death match to AEW presents one on cable television. Mm-hmm. The road two did not shy away from the fact that Nick Gage uses a lot of glass in his matches, panes, light tubes, etc. 
I don't think this is going to be on the level of Nick Gage versus Matt Cardona, which to a certain subsection of fans, not enough to make a real difference, I don't think. It might feel like a diminished return if it's not worked masterfully enough because, like, Matt Cardona worked a death match. Like, he worked a death match. He was back. I'm not a death match guy. That was great. Like, they yeah. played that so well, though. His face was tremendous throughout. Mm. Like, he's squealing his little dainty attempts to do the... They're not going to do that level of violence. Even though we've seen enough of it on TNT, I just don't think we're going to get that much class. I just don't. Um, the GCW crowd aren't going to mind getting that stuff in the eyes that people genuinely goggle up on some shows to avoid. Like there are all sorts of protocols and arena management types who probably won't sanction something like that. So I'm thinking it's going to, you're definitely going to see a pizza cutter, right? He got it out last week. There's going to be blood. There's loads of blood. TNT don't mind about blood. But in terms of the glass, like I think the best way to do a death match, that's not called a death match, but you're going to get a death match to a degree that isn't called a death match because they advertised last week's Archer Moxley match as a death match. It's a death match by any other name. The use of glass, which we are going to get, it will, one, I know you said, will he survive? Of course he will. So I'm not answering the question. <laughs> <laughs> they should build the match around doing the glass. Like, introduce it, like swing underneath it, maybe even sprawl to the entrance ramp so you're away from those fans and do glass stuff, <laughs> like by the commentary table. Only Jim Ross. Hey, he'll complain about flips more than he'll complain about getting a bit of glass, so it's fine. Build the match around the glass. So if you're going to use something that is like an instant blood letter, like do it at the finish. I think that's the most TV-friendly means of approaching a Nick Gage match. And Chris Jericho so goddamn over. Look at last week, it was insane that he can get a death match. That doesn't feel like a death match, but more of a brawl until the very end. He can get that over. I suspect that's how it'll play out. Nick Gage is really good at brawling, not magnificent at it. Like he's all a charisma performer. And that might itself be an issue if he doesn't have that insane crowd connection. He made one of the best entrances I've ever seen at the GCW show at the weekend. And he didn't even make an entrance because he could make it past the first like mosh pit. Without that, insane reaction who knows how much this will get over but i'm thinking this is going to be iconic on an iconic show yeah it's going to be wild don't look away you still can't really look sort of an encounter i think you're right in terms of the way they're going to present it that might be quite good as well because i know some aw fans need to touch some glass um but also (laughs) 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 tremendous uh, would you have uh, MJF on commentary? I just feel like this is yes, yes, on commentary. Brilliant. There's It'd no- be an absolute open goal sitter missed because he was class last week. Well, it's, yeah. it's, you just talk about like, we, you know, in these sort of matches, no DQ matches, you know, people will go to weapons and go to, to things that they know. Hence why Nick Gage goes to the light tubes and Chris Jericho, of course, goes for the pizza cutter. It's what you know, you work with what you know, basically. I'm just giving him, I'm giving him some free hits here. Uh, my good friend, Maxwell. Um, Sige, I mean, goodness me, we go from the, the elimination five on five to a no DQ, or like you say, death match in every other uh, name. 
to one of the most highly anticipated tag matches of the year in Santana and Ortiz versus FTR. How do you see this one playing out? I don't know. And it's so well built. They've done the odd segment that felt extraneous. The whole idea is they really want to get this over and they really think they've got an absolute minor classic on their hands. Um, I think either this or the 10-man starts with both teams in the ring. Like, just both matches on a stacked show like deserve a decent amount of time. There's enough story there. There's enough talent there. And goddamn, the range on this show is unbelievable. You're getting a death match, a 10-man tag that's got all the wonderful stylistic flourishes of this modern hybrid style, if you like. And then you've got a proper Southern style tag team match, which I think we're going to get. I think it'll be great. I absolutely don't know who goes over. FTR are from North Carolina. We are, I don't know, you don't do everything around regions, but it makes kind of sense for them to go over. Santana and Ortiz can look inwardly and think, you know what? Like, we might need to break away from the inner circle after all this and just go on our own with Conan. And that's, and if they do that with Conan, removed from the inner circle, they'll almost feel like, if not new, then a new look of paint. Mm. It's sort of a new presentation that will clue the fans in on they're a bit different and we're going to push them differently and you are to receive them as a bit more serious, having had a repackage or a soft reboot of sorts. So for all of those reasons, but then again, the books are the champions. It's all very interesting. Ultimately, this has been built so well, I don't really care who goes over. I'm just kind of into the story, into the prospect of the match. I, you know, I'm all over the place with this. So I apologize. <laughs> How often can Santana and Ortiz lose? They're not old at all. But this is early in their babyface run and their heel one kind of ground to a halt almost in terms of where they were from the first full gear. I'm fascinated and excited. I think there's a brilliant story to tell in the breakaway of Proud and Powerful from the Inner Circle as heels, perhaps. I know they're babyfaces right now because the Inner Circle have turned face. Um but I think this defeat would only inform that too. Um, Chris Jericho is busy with his own stuff, you know, and they could call upon that. Oh, you had your five matches and all of a sudden, all of a sudden the circle weren't a concern because you had five weeks of doing your own. Uh, Sammy Guevara is this hometown hero that was just getting to bask in his own sort of reflected glory as a result of like getting the big moments at Blood and Guts and at Stadium Stampede. Um, even Jake Hager, the teasing stuff on Dark and Dark Elevation about the eventual friendship of Hager and Wardlow after, you know, they were kind of like positioned as natural rivals for all this time. They've got the most motivation to feel a little bit resentful at the fundamental failings of the inner circle for them. It's like, oh, it's, it worked out great for everybody else. It didn't really work out for us, did it? We wasted two years in AEW thinking the stable was going to propel us to the top and it didn't get us there. Um, I would like FTR to win this particular match as well because I just think they must be so, they must be buzzing to work this type of match in front of a crowd as much as we were just to have crowds back to watch. Mm. Um, their style has missed live audiences so, so much. Um, I think that's, I don't want to like just take the responsibility away from the wrestlers, but I think that's been to blame for what people perceive as the mixed form of FTR in AEW is that crowds are such an integral part of their act and what makes their act tick the cutoffs the luxurious, amazing cutoffs of FTR. 
the impact of those were halved by the empty arenas or the half-filled arenas or the fans at a distance or, you know, whatever. Um, so rarely did you feel that nervous energy that you would get in a revival classic. And I think that's going to return with a vengeance here and we're going to feel it all and FTR are going to be restored as probably... Well, this is the thing. They might not be restored as the best in the industry, but they're back in the conversation alongside the Young Bucks. And then you can have that conversation again. And then you can build towards that match again and so on and so on and so on, even if it's not now because they're both heels. Um, so I would like an FTR win for those reasons because I just think this match is going to be primed for them to show off. Um, and I love Santana and Ortiz, but I think there will be other nights for them mm. as well. Gen genuinely, I do. Um, this doesn't feel like any kind of peak for them as an act. I think that all comes when the inner circle finally like splits off properly. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Right, lots more to discuss on this insane card for Fight for the Fallen. Uh, Hamlet, let's talk about the IWGP US Championship match. Uh, it is going to be Lance Archer defending it after, of course, he won it from John Moxley in last week's main event against Hikuleo. I've been practicing that, Michael Sidgwick. Um, insane to see that visual, of course, of, of Hikuleo uh, towering over Lance Archer at the end of last week's show. Uh, great build to it as well on uh, on the road too, which is well worth checking out ahead of tonight's show as well. But is Lance Archer going to retain his title tonight? Yeah, aren't they tall? Are they both really tall? <laughs> um, look, I haven't seen Roti, and I apologise for that ahead of this, um, but that's what I've got to go off. Aren't they tall? And I kind of wish this wasn't happening on the show. This feels to me um, the most superfluous addition to this card. 
Uh, not that I don't want to watch it, but Lance Archer felt special again last week against John Moxley. And I've got worries that he'll feel normalised by this first defence. I hope not. Um, I've never seen enough of Hikaleo to make me think that this like has the chance of being like a sleeper hit or a sure stealer. Nor have I really seen enough of Lance Archer yet to think that he's got it in him outside of this magic moment of the contest that we got last week. So, yeah, like not super enthusiastic, but I dare say expect expectations to be quite low. So they might be able to exceed them. I don't want that to seem cruel against both guys. They'll want this to be great and they'll want this to bang. But I, this is one of the additions that I would consider pretty needless on this card. And I hope it's brief. I think it will be brief but not too brief. The idea is they have a working relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling. I can imagine, without being privy to it, that a lot of very careful negotiation goes into the minutiae of every detail. This is going to have to go a certain amount of time or be worked in a certain way that will protect Hikaleo. You can't just get beat in three minutes, but then... He's not that good yet that he could go 10, especially not on this card. Why? I'm expecting a proper five-minute sprint that Archer looks twice like he's going to lose before winning in resounding fashion, possibly with two. Could he even do the blackout on this guy? They can certainly tease it. Maybe some kind of spot where he's doing the claw. The claw, to an extent, is no sold, and then finally he does it. Let's have to be careful here um, in terms of just not overexposing this lad. He's green. Can he? Can Hikaleu walk the ropes or do some sort of similar athleticism to what Lance Archer can do? Because that might be quite a fun twist on it. You're expecting yeah. bombs over five minutes and then they both do something like jaw-dropping from a height. By mobile, I mean, you can do like a cannonball flip, but yeah. it looks pretty cool. Um, but he's got like kind of this timid, very new in wrestling vibe to him, like divorced entirely from that of his dad's. Um so they have to be careful because his facials aren't the best. He's still very green. But, you know, fundamentally, you know where he's trained. It's almost a guarantee of a base level of quality. And he can get about a bit, which as a spectacle looks great because look at the size of him. Bombs for five minutes. Like, just trade bombs for five minutes. Do Goldberg, Lesnar, if you can. I don't think you can, but try because that's the ceiling of this match. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly what you need to just fire out of the blocks and uh, yeah, get this over and done with relatively swiftly. But I, I agree. I think uh, Lance Archer retention is on the cards. Sidge on a show with so much already on it is tonight the night that Christian Cage turns on Jungle Boy. He's teaming with him and Luchasaurus against uh, the Hardy Family Office, being represented by Angelico, Mark Quinn, and Isaiah Cassidy. Is it tonight? Um, it's going to be a momentous show. Uh, possibly you might get the first explicit hint towards it mm. or a very, very strong tease that starts a conversation that I haven't really seen started, uh, to be honest yet. I think this will set up Jungle Boy versus Matt Hardy, which will set up in some way Christian Cage versus Jungle Boy in the way I have this in my head, by the way. It's, I'm not, not privy to the booking plans. I just think this is the way to tell the story and the best use of Christian going forward. Uh, again, like, uh, do I need this match? Not really. But I might be working on a project. Oh. I might be up to All Out 2019 on said project. 
I might have rewatched SCU versus Jurassic Express. And honestly, watching Luchasaurus in front of fans again might genuinely pop people's tits off all over again. <laughs> that spot where he does the pack handspring over Kazarian and Daniels, and then Scorpio Sky's about to lariat him, and he like kips up off his back and tears down the house. It's like, oh, right, Luchasaurus is the best wrestler on the planet. <laughs> like he's not but in that moment he was everything a millennial wrestling fan liked about wrestling at various stages of their life massive muscles ridiculous character he's a super worker in two minute bursts amazing people forget that about Luchasaurus this might be a little big platform for him if you like I expect the face team to go over I expect this to draw the ire of Matt Hardy. I expect him to try and get a jungle boy and get saved, maybe too slowly by Christian Cage, because that feels like the direction for this jungle boy arc. Keep it short and sweet, like that's my takeaway on most things on this show. Yeah, like nothing to add. Again, it's it's when when you want to talk all day about the big stuff. Conversely, there feels so little to add to the smaller elements of this show. And it just makes you feel like, ah, oh, you, you could have saved that. You could have saved it. Because everything warrants a spotlight. They're telling stories. So everything warrants its time. But something's going to fall victim over this two hours. And you can only hope that it's one of the like lesser events, the, you know, the less essential elements of the show. I think that the three of them involved in the ring, that leaves, maybe you should just come and say this and I try to look for every opportunity for this sort of thing. I agree. I think Cage, uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus get the win here. Uh, and Marco's done. It's been a while. So uh, let's have a kidnapping. That's probably what we're going to get. Uh, <laughs> what about that? So, yeah. I, I mean, he, he presumably would be ringside, but if he's not, I'd almost guarantee that we're going to get a big shot up on the screen of Marco Stunt being, I don't know, bundled into Hardy's van or something like that because and slapped about by king maxwell at the compound <laughs> yeah something like that perhaps but yeah uh, may uh, I, th- I think you're right so just in particular as well of this being the night of not the turn but more things to add to our little collection of glances or moments between christian cage and jungle boy uh, also advertised tonight pamphlet is an apology cutie marshall will apologize to Tony Schiavone. What could possibly go wrong here? <laughs> I, uh, I've i said my piece on this on several podcasts just because I'm trying to talk it into existence, basically. Mm-hmm. I want things I don't care about to turn into things I care about more than most of the things in pro wrestling. <laughs> what I'm saying about that is QT Marshall tipping drinks over Tony Schiavone, not mega arsed. Britt Baker versus Serena Deeb, hottest match in the world. So like, let it all be what I've kind of invented. And then all of this has been worthwhile and all of it has been great. Um, if not Serena Deeb, to be fair, feels like the Britt Baker feud, doesn't it? Feels like the next Britt Baker story. Um, feels like a shoo-in for that. Again, um, we talked a little bit about the not great first programme for Britt with Nyla Rose and the awkward transition of her to being a fully-fledged babyface world champion um, and how you capitalise on how amazing she was in the build to winning the title because they've not really found that sweet spot just yet. Mm. This is it, isn't it? Nobody likes QT Marshall. Everybody adores Tony Schiavone, including Britt Baker. She adores Tony Schiavone. This is it. Um, Serena Deeb is the best match, but there are several others that you can tee up off this. Anyone can have... Um, Jade Cargill could be a, a factory trainee 
who's been quietly getting better under you know he's a he's a wrestling trainer he's already kept some of his trainees secret from Cody that's how you had the factory in the first place it's not that wild to think he's got a woman that wants to fight for him and she's going to come at Britt Baker for Darren to come at him it, it's got to be that hasn't it it's got to be the point of all this mm. I, mean, I hope so because you are wasting your time with the greatest film in the world of setting up another QT Marshall programme on this edition of the programme like I mean it's he's the best player coach imaginable because you don't want to see him on TV that much. And yet when he's on TV on a limit, in a limited capacity, he's really, really good. And you know that he's way better as a behind-the-scenes guy. I really hope this fantasy booking happens, Hamlet. And I'm starting to think it might. Certain social media accounts are really retweeting Serena Deeb content, maybe with a little bit of a push to say, right, okay, she's coming in for a program, so get her over. And not that you need any kind of cynicism to do that because... She's one of the easiest wrestlers on this planet to talk about and put over. And as a result, she should be more heavily featured on this programme. Let's hope it starts tonight. It's logical as well, because the whole deal is that she was a coach, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like relegated to a coach in WWE. So it makes sense that she would be as angry as QT Marshall about her placement. These are the wonderful things they think about as well. Mm. It's either going to go one of two ways. The way we all want it to go, Serena Deeb or, you know, like you say, someone else potentially being set up as a future opponent for Britt Baker because they've isolated Tony Schiavone and they know about their relationship there. Or, to save time, <laughs> QT Marshall goes, sorry, Tony. On to the next thing. Okay, here we go. <laughs> uh, we have got Thunder Rosa's first match as, I believe, or certainly first match on Dynamite as uh, an, an official all-elite wrestler. She will face Julia Hart. And uh, this could be a bit of a low-key banger, couldn't it, Sage? No. Oh. <laughs> I mean, Julie Hart's very green. Just a bit too green for dynamite, in my opinion. Um, and I don't want this to be a banger. I don't want this to go long enough to qualify for banger status. <laughs> like, I, this is the refrain of this podcast. Like, this doesn't need to be on the show. Mm. I think it's on the show for a very... Nice, wholesome, benevolent reason. That being, Thunder Rosa's just signed properly with AEW. And I am totally buzzed for that, incidentally. I want this to be a two-minute squash. I just do. It behooves the dynamic, the show itself. If this is nothing other than a platform for a pop, get your pop and get to the finish. Like, it's a very nice thing to do. Welcome to the team here properly. Have yourself a match on Dynamite. Those three minutes might just be way better spent else, elsewhere. Um, and look, Thunder Rosa's coming in as a former NWA Women's Champion, someone who's defeated your champion, which will inform something at some point. Julie Hart and issues a body. She's a corpse in this match for me. And I wanted to go two to three minutes. I wonder, you know, about Julia Hart being the chosen opponent here because she is such a white meat baby face. Um, so young, so green, aligned with other baby faces on television. Is this the start of a very slow burn and potentially awesome Thunder Rosa heel turn where she says what a lot of us said at the time? Hang on, in that big match that everybody loved, I can won and I left you a bloody mess and then these people cheer you and you go on to win the title. And is this the beginning of that when she absolutely crushes like the <laughs> kindest soul in the women's division? She just brutalizes her and it begins the start of, you see the, like, because Thunder Rose has been, I don't want to say like a happy smiley baby face, but she's such an effervescent figure. And then the work's so great that 
like even in the small quarters of Daly's play, she's become beloved pretty quickly. Like they could start tweaking that as she resents the ascent of Britt Baker following their classic match and she becomes Britt's opponent in, you know, three wrestlers time, whatever. This begins her rather aggressive rise up the rankings. I'll take that. We also have a championship celebration that was teased on last week's show. Ricky Stark celebrating uh, his uh, newly won FTW championship from Brian Cage. Brian Cage loves a celebration. Uh, he's blatantly <laughs> going to show up for this. Uh, Hamlet, how do you see it playing out? I don't know. Um, I don't think this is going to be bad, but um, I don't think it's going to be that great that it warrants a lot of time. This really is a familiar refrain, isn't it? Like, I to, uh, some I think... want a thirty-five minute elite action. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it is. I just um, they do a better job of these. You know, we joke about the Chris Jericho synonym generator for when they're having to do an inner circle segment. They tend to do a better job of these more often than not. And obviously Cage coming in and wrecking stuff and like have something big, a massive stone statue or something, something big that Brian Cage can throw that another person couldn't throw normally. You know, like he's, he's ginormous. It can't just be a cake. Anyone can mess up a cake. Like it's got to be something really physically heavy. Taz, let him throw Taz. Um, <laughs> but just like, uh, yeah, probably just that because there doesn't seem the time or place for further storyline development. The idea is now Cage is going to have to run the gauntlet of Team Taz to try and get his hands on Taz, to try and get his hands on Hook. I don't know, to regain the FTW. I don't really know, but he's going to want to fight them. He's going to want some revenge. Um, I can't see, like, my angle alert, Claxon, isn't blaring here. It's Cage breaking it up and Team Taz being, oh, we'll get you. And then a series of matches. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just not feeling Cage having a trick up his sleeve. I don't know. They need to babyface Brian Cage yesterday, considering they didn't do it two weeks ago or one week ago two or whatever on socials Ricky Starks has promised a New Orleans sized celebration right if you're going to do that here's my idea get every small bony wimpy independent guy you can find in the area put them all in Mardi Gras get up have them Second team Taz to the ring. Have Brian Cage powerbomb, drill claw, kill each and every one of them as team Taz scarpers up the ramp all through the crowd. And he stands tall with a just field of broken bodies in his wake. (laughs) You get Brian Cage doing awesome Brian Cage stuff multiplied. You get pissed off Taz with his wonderful, aggressive, just default ornery face having had the celebration spoiled, have Ricky Starks with his wonderful animated face, like furious at what he's done to the celebration. Hook and Hobbs, me mugging throughout. Get it over and done with in four or five minutes. <laughs> but like, I generally think with the colour and the spectacle associated with the New Orleans celebration and all of that exploding across your screen as... Brian Cage throws them across it. That's the that's the plan. That's the play, surely. Just as raging in some orange and black beads that Brian Cage has ruined. Yes. Or something <laughs> like that. Like, he ruined my beignet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of, it, we all know what's going to happen. Um, and yeah, like, like we said, I, I, 
I think it's going to be, for some reason, I've got this in my head for a week now. It's going to be statue related <laughs> um, because of the, you know, the infamous Ricky Starks, because he's an absolute piece, his pose. So maybe you have, you know, you know, I'm not trying to say, oh, let's do brilliant callbacks to the Seth Rollins and Sting build. But <laughs> yeah, they've got a, a sculpture that they've got made of Ricky Starks. But even from the outline, you can tell, because look at the size difference, regardless of how big you blew, make, make the statue in Ricky Starks and Brian Cage and just pulling that off and it just being Brian Cage there or something. But yes, I think uh, a combination of the two with, like you say, Sige, the uh, the Team Taz mean mugging fury at the top of the ramp when this, this supposed celebration uh, gets ruined or have it go three minutes and uh, no Brian Cage and it goes great and we can move on to the next thing as well. Just keep it rolling. I'm sorry, Tony. Oh, congratulations. Hey, okay. <laughs> so going to be such a manic show. And I haven't apologised in advance ahead of tomorrow's podcast because I feel like it's almost guaranteed I'm going to forget to mention maybe an entire segment on tomorrow's review because of my notes will be all over the sodding shop and uh, just so much to to cover and, and pops to to mention. Uh, finally, uh, Sige, we have a major new live event announcement from one Tony Khan. He slightly screwed up his uh, his timings there because my birthday is not in nine days; it's in uh, it's in eleven. <laughs> but uh, if it's not that, maybe, I don't know why it wouldn't be that. If it's not that, um, what do you think it will be, Sige? I mean, Christ. It's, I don't want to talk about this, but the look, Delta's appearing over the last six days to be flaming out over here. Maybe the same thing will happen over there, even though have the, maybe it's on getting vaccinated. So who knows? <laughs> it feels like there's just a huge uncertain asterisk next to everything. So they could say, Look, we've got some data that means we're going to sell out that. Massive stadium WWE did for WrestleMania 32. Like, biggest AW show ever, like 100,000 fans. And, you know, we're going to sell it out, so that's why we're doing it. And I'd still be like, just, uh... <laughs> I'm still scared of everything. I don't know what it is. It's going to have to be bigger than Arthur Ashe. If they're dedicating, it'll be 20 seconds. 20 seconds of pre-taped, 20 to 40 seconds of the announcement but it has to be bigger than Arthur Ashe. Otherwise, why say it's big enough to be revealed exclusively on TV? Um, imagine if this went to MSG. <laughs> that would be the banter response. Go to MSG, sell it out quicker than WWE. With this company, this hot, that's what I would personally do. I don't think it's going to be that, but that's what I would do. I'd love the cock on the table. <laughs> I think he's going to um, announce that he's selling tickets to CM Punk the movie. That's going to be the confirmation that the big man's finally coming in. Um, I, up until a week ago, when this announcement didn't feel quite as cursed as it does today, as AEW were literally apparently discussing the future of their pre-existing dates, um, I was thinking UK tour, you know, the big show down the cottage. There's like so much that they can do um, with these big sort of stadiums, uh, as Cedric alluded to, a WrestleMania-sized venue, uh, any kind of international tour, because AEW haven't done it in countries that are safe to travel to, if any are. I don't know, it's a tough time to be announcing live events, isn't it? It's a really tough time. Um, 
Arthrash is so impressive on the surface that even if you announce a place that Scott's say, I don't know, 40,000 in, does it matter right now? Because people are just super, super jazzed for a smaller venue that's going to look class, that is in Vince McMahon's backyard, that is almost promising something huge by its very nature. Um, he's got something, otherwise they wouldn't have promoted it in this way. He doesn't normally get name-checked in this regard. I don't think this is going to be insignificant. I'll say that much. Um, but the fact that they've mentioned it to do with live events and the like, I don't know, like it makes it particularly tricky to get your hopes up for something. It's American, man. They can promise out, I guess. We're looking at this from our side of the pond and maybe they'll just see it differently over there. Maybe it's because it's their stadium. They want to do, they want to sell that stadium. They want to like uh, advertise something for 2022 in the Jacksonville Jaguars stadium. Mm. You know, a long, long time from now. Um, double or nothing 2020. They, you know, they it was a double or nothing that they announced the locations for all in and full gear. So it's not that wild to think that they could announce a, a revolution or a double or nothing for 2022 in a giant building. So maybe it's just something like that. Like it's gonna be big, but please can wait and go and get vaccinated so you can come. Yeah, and very much mixed emotions, like you say, with that news uh, coming out today of them going. Oh bollocks, it's happening. I'm just so long as it's not uh we're going to Saudi Arabia uh, or, or, hey, we're doing homecoming next week. Speaking of homecoming, how about we all go back to Daly's Place for a few more months? <laughs> <laughs> a six-month residence in Daly's. Good <laughs> news, guys. Yes. As long as it's not anything like that, I'll be happy. But, uh, yeah, feel free to, to speculate and let us know your thoughts uh, on what the announcement is going to be and what on earth is going to go down tonight on this, as I keep saying, bonkers show uh, with so much to look forward to. Uh, make sure you check out the road too as well because it's just uh, production values are just sensational on that and um, you don't need to get any more jazzed about tonight but it it certainly will help uh, and like i said it hasn't even got time to mention uh, the dark order versus the elite it's wild wild stuff going on uh, but let us know your thoughts ahead of tonight's show on twitter at what culture wwe uh, watch they can follow all three of us you can follow michael hamflet who will no doubt be live tweeting throughout tonight's show at michael hamflet you can follow Michael Cedric, who, like me, is going to be sensible and be tweeting about it probably about half past seven tomorrow morning at M. Sidgwick. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE, as I said, though. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Our review of NXT from earlier on today is available right now. And if you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, uh, you'll be notified as soon as our review of Fight for the Fallen comes out tomorrow. But this has been the preview for AEW Dynamite. Enjoy Fight for the Fallen. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.